Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Nice to see you today. So I have a little bit of a condition before I'm willing to talk to you. Um, it's been known to happen that when me or one of my children especially does something for Jesus, we often get pastor's family points. But I don't really want pastor's wife points. I kind of want you to know that it, being a pastor's wife is not enough motivation for me to come up here and talk to you today. <laughs> I wouldn't do it for that. So no pastor's wife points. I actually am just here because I do believe that following Jesus is hard. And I believe in sharing with people um, your journey because I think it helps others with the things that they struggle with. Um, my daughter is... A pastor's child. I do not have a dad that's a pastor, but she shared with me once that one of the things she's had to overcome as a pastor's child is how hard it is to share Jesus with her peers, because when she does, the response has been, well, you can say that because you're a pastor's kid, rather than just letting her love Jesus without her dad's job. So I just kind of want to put that out there, because um, I would do this without my husband being a pastor. I would be here because I just care about sharing Jesus with you. So, so when I think of this year's theme, following Jesus, one of the biggest questions that I always have to overcome is the question of what will people think? And then followed closely behind that is the question of, but what is the right thing to do? And I'm someone who deeply cares about the opinions of others, but I also really care about doing the right thing. And those two collide in uncomfortable ways, and it can get complicated. Because I have spent way too much of my time worrying about other people's opinions. It's not all bad caring about other people and not wanting to offend and wanting to take care of people. Um, I managed to start a very successful pre-K program for a school using those skills. But since Adventist education is fairly new to pre-K education, I ended up burning myself out trying to complete, compete with this ideal of pre-K rather than realistic and something else that is reasonable. Um, but what I did do is I did a really, really amazing job taking care of kids' needs. I did a really amazing job taking care of the parents' needs, and I did a really amazing job taking care of my school's needs. But where I failed is I didn't take care of my needs. And in the end, that kind of canceled out all the others, because then I left. <laughs> so it turns out that when you're not taking care of yourself, you end up irritable, angry, resentful, and lonely. And I wonder if this is what Martha was struggling with as she hurried about trying to prepare a meal for Jesus and his disciples 
while her sister seemed to be just taking it easy. If you're not familiar with this story, basically, Jesus and his disciples, and who knows how many other people, were coming over to Mary and Martha's house for a visit. Martha, the responsible older sister, was busy trying to get everything ready while Mary hung out with the friends. So I have to confess something here. I am an older sister, and I cannot even begin to tell you how many times I have spent cleaning up the kitchen while my sister disappears until the job is miraculously done and she is now back. Yeah, I, can res I respect that, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling Martha here. I'm just like, yeah, it's really annoying because I doubt it was the first time, maybe, that Mary wasn't helping. But the problem is, and this pushes some buttons, Martha goes to Jesus and asks for help, and Jesus tells her she is the wrong one. Hmm. Mary is doing what she should be doing. So that kind of ticks me off a little bit, because it doesn't really seem like Mary's doing what she should be doing. And if everyone was doing what Mary was doing, nobody would eat. <laughs> so what is Jesus saying here? I mean, if you're like me, um, okay, sorry, okay. I don't know if anyone else here can relate to Martha. Why did Jesus defend Martha and not support, sorry, defend Mary and not support Martha? Maybe like me, you've heard this story explained that there's nothing more important than spending time with Jesus. True. But if I'm really honest, that answer falls a little flat because there's also life responsibilities. And they need to be done, and, and somebody needs to be doing them. So it seems to me that there must be more to this story than that. I wonder, I mean, maybe, what, what if Martha was too busy pleasing people? To be honest, I had no idea how big of a problem people-pleasing is until I started doing research to talk to you today. I know people-pleasing is annoying, I know you shouldn't do it, and it's a bad habit that needs to be worked on, but I really honestly had no idea until I looked at the research and I looked at what the professionals say, it's just how destructive it is to a person's life. To complicate matters even further, there is a lot of confusing messages in the Bible in church, in religious circles, that suggests that selfish is not putting others first. So which is it? If we're going to understand what it means to follow Jesus, it seems to me we have to explore the problem of people-pleasing. So are there any other people-pleasers here? I have a graph up here for you. Um, you might be a people pleaser if you pretend to agree with everyone, and honestly, that might even be just avoiding giving your opinion. You act like people around you. You don't admit your feelings when they're hurt. You feel burdened by the things you have to do. You feel uncomfortable if someone is angry at you. You feel responsible for how other people feel. You apologize often. You go to great lengths to avoid conflict, and honestly, that's just the beginning of, of the lists. According to Medical News Today, people-pleaser personality means a person feels a strong urge to please others, even at their own expense. 
They may feel that their wants and needs do not matter or alter their personality around others. It's not a personality trait or a diagnosis that psychologists measure. It's actually just an informal label people use to describe others. So if people-pleasing is not a natural trait, then why is someone a people-pleaser? It's something that you're developed. So where is this coming from? Well, psychologists will tell you that people-pleasing is the result of trauma and or stress that can become a habit or an involuntary response to how a person faces problems or discomfort. You may have heard of the fight, flight, or freeze response for trauma. Well, turns out that there's a fourth option for how you manage stress and trauma, and that's called fawning. Fawning is now recognized as a fourth option, says Peter Walker, a, li a licensed psychologist and expert in complex trauma. He says fawn types seek safety by merging with the wishes, needs, and demands of others, because sometimes it's easier to just do what everybody wants you to do to get out of the stress. So, I'm a middle child. I have an older brother who also didn't do the dishes much. <laughs> and I have a younger sister. And if you're a middle child like me, you know that you are rarely the center of attention. You almost never had your parents' undivided attention. You were busy settling down your outspoken older brother, or you're entertaining your adorable, everyone-can't-help-but-love younger sister. Middle children can be natural peacemakers that can also turn into people-pleasers. It took me a lot for me to speak up. There are often a lot of opinions flying around my house. And I did not feel the need to add to that chaos. I was very content to stay in the background, where it seemed a lot safer, and I was happy to just go along with everyone else, giving little to no thought about what I wanted or needed, as my siblings had already put all the requests on the table anyway. It was just easier to go with the flow and not to care. I really didn't even notice I was this way, and it seemed to make everyone happier. I got a lot of praise for being a well-behaved, agreeable, sweet girl. <laughs> Ken is actually probably the first person I remember actually asking me about how I felt about something. I remember one night after we had been dating for a short time, he asked me if I was mad. And I remember thinking, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> um, and as I've learned about the importance of mental health and being able to identify emotions, I realized that I had spent years, really probably my whole life, just numbing my feelings or ignoring them, shaming myself for bad feelings. I was hyper-focused on everything everybody else needed and whatever I could do to make everybody happy. I did this because it seemed like people liked me more when I was easygoing and easy to get along with, but the, the hard part is, is I also genuinely liked it. I genuinely like helping others, nurturing others, making a difference in someone else's life. I like doing that. It's like with my job. I liked, I loved my job and giving back to those families. 
but it hadn't occurred to me to consider my own feelings and need, and honestly, I didn't even know how to identify them in the first place. Because isn't thinking about yourself selfish? So not everything about being a people pleaser is bad, as we just discussed. Um, we, we're very helpful, agreeable, kind, highly attuned to the needs of others. We put a lot of practice into that. Empathetic, thoughtful. But the other side is, is when you ignore your needs, and I feel like that's a really important part right there, is ignoring your needs. It's not bad unless you're not taking care of yourself. It can leave you with a low self-worth, you're too accommodating, you're undermining your own needs, you can be too agreeable in general, not assertive, rarely say no, have anxiety and stress that leads to anger and frustration, you can struggle to meet your own goals due to a depleted willpower because you're too busy giving to everybody else that you end up not having the self-control or the willpower to meet your own goals. And that will lead to the worst of all, you end up lacking in meaningful and fulfilling relationships. Because honestly, you're not really letting people know anything about you because you're too busy being all about them. In addition, due to these negatives, people-pleasers may also struggle to trust what God says to them personally and need the affirmation of others rather than trusting their own relationship with God. Knowing how to hear God personally with confidence is vital to being able to follow God and have a healthy relationship with God. You can't do it if you don't have that. So, Again, as we discussed already, the confusing part is that showing compassion and helping others is good. God wants us to be self-sacrificing and to put others first. And those of us that have grown up in a church or in communities that value service-oriented, um, have that service-oriented values, are taught to give to others and that that's a virtue. Yet, unhealthy habits of people-pleasing will reinforce these well-intentioned lessons. As a teacher, I've noticed this. Um, I've been teaching, oh, I think in a classroom, I think it's like my 16th or 17th year. Before that, I stayed home with my family. Here's a people pleaser problem. Um, when I was 12, I actually babysat um, three kids. Um, they were like eight, five, and two. And I made $10 a day because I just wanted to serve so much. It was definitely not in my, and there was a pool in the yard. I don't know why they were letting me do this, but I did, I did do that because I wanted, I love kids and I wanted to do it. And they asked me several times if um, I wanted more money and they were dentists, they could have given me more money, but I didn't know how to say I wanted anything, so I didn't, so I took my $10 a day. So, but as a teacher, I've often taught my students, you know, that you need to be, give, give to others first, share, help others, do your best. Find ways to make other people happy. And it's really only been recently that it's even occurred to me that we need to balance that with lessons for self-advocacy, saying no, being okay when things aren't perfect and you don't need to take a new piece of paper every single time you make a mark you didn't like when you're drawing a picture. Um, Identifying your emotions. I know Brene Brown says that I think we can identify anger, fear, and happiness or something. There's like three basic emotions. And 
that's not even close to the emotions that we need to understand to be living a happy and healthy life. But apparently that's the average human. And so we got to do better. And as a teacher, I take that on myself as I need to teach younger how to do this. And then once you can identify your emotions, how do you manage those in healthy and productive ways? I think these are really important questions for us to wrestle with as parents, as a church community, as schools, as just community members in general, because it is a pretty big deal that people can um, process life. So how can a person stop bad habits of people-pleasing while still remaining compassionate, helpful, and caring? Where's that line? How do you know? Well, there's several things. One is you can listen to your inner voice and trust it. So especially if you are connecting regularly with God and inviting the Holy Spirit to be your inner voice, you need to trust what your inner voice is saying. Now, I do want to say that I think it's possible, depending on what you're filling your life with, to have an inner voice that's not necessarily helping you. However, I do believe if you are asking God to communicate with you and for him to be your inner voice, I don't think God is gonna let you not hear him. So I think that you can trust that. Another really good strategy I like to use is called a head, heart, and gut check. So basically this means if you're in a situation where you're just having a hard time processing something, um, you think about, you start with your head and you think about what is your head, what are your thoughts telling you and write it all out, just, just focusing on what your head is saying. Then you move to what is your gut telling you? What are your gut feelings? And then write it all out. And then what is your heart telling you? What are your feelings? What is, what's, and interestingly enough, those messages are not often the same. Your head will tell you something different than your gut will tell you something different than your heart. And when you can look at all the information, put it on a piece of paper, you can see a better whole picture of what you're actually dealing with than trying to process that all internally. So that's a, a, a tip for, for that. Also, just take a look at your thoughts. While you're processing this, what's your motivation? Are your thoughts based on your desire to be kind and productive? Do you, are you at peace about it? Do you feel positive feelings? Or are you feeling a massive amount of, or even a minimal amount of fear, guilt, or a sense of pressure? See, the thing is, if you are doing something for people out of obligation, you can't call that love. Love is only love when you give it. Love is never forced. And even when you're forcing yourself to do something, you can't say it's love. And so there are things that we don't want to do that we need to do. I get that. And maybe we need to keep going to Jesus and asking us to change our hearts at times. But sometimes your feelings are there to actually tell you something too. And sometimes maybe you're not taking care of yourself and therefore you really shouldn't be doing it even if it's a good thing. So <laughs> one of the hard things is learning to say no or to give yourself permission to, to process, to give yourself more time. So if you're in a situation where you feel that you're experiencing an excessive amount of guilt or anxiety, say no or give yourself more time to process. If you fear disapproval or anger of others, say no, 
or give yourself more time to process. If you are avoiding a conflict, say no, or give yourself more time to process. If you don't want to make trouble for someone else, you should say no, or give yourself more time to process. And if it's not on God's to-do list for you, or you're not sure if it is, say no, or give yourself more time to process. And this I see as an epidemic in our world, maybe especially in America, where we as people think that the more we cram into our lives, the better we are, and it is massively unhealthy. I see that it's unhealthy for adults. I see that it's unhealthy for kids. Kids actually don't do really well with an overly crowded schedule. Just, you know, little tip there for you. But, um, but yeah, it feels like we should do all these things, and we put all these things on our list of things that need to be done that God never put there. And so I think it's really important to be paying attention to the difference between what you're choosing to do and what God is asking you to do. So when should you say yes? Well, you should say yes when you feel good about helping others. Um, if you have the physical and emotional capacity, this is a big one for me because there are times that I know it's a good thing, but I'm a teacher that teaches little kids and they take everything out of me a lot. And so I can't do more, even more good, because I don't have it to give. And that's just a reality of who I am and, um, and what I can give back. So I think it's really important. You have to measure if you have the physical and emotional capacity. And if you don't, you can't do it. But if you do, you can say yes. If you have considered how your needs and goals are impacted and you still feel peace about it, it's okay to say yes. But don't say yes at the expense of your goals. Say yes when you know that you can work it together. Um, you can say yes when you are maintaining your self-care habits. So if I could be like any human other than Jesus, who is God and human, um, who's walked on this earth, especially in my lifetime, I would love, love to have the impact on people that Mr. Rogers did. I think that man is amazing. I, I just, I completely am jealous of how well he's able to listen to people and how well he's able to connect with people and how many people he impacted in really pretty simple ways. He was not big and showy. He was not really an entertainer other than talking to people. I mean, when you watch his show compared to Sesame Street, those were back to back when I grew up. I mean, there's a big difference. But the impact he made on people was deep. But I think it's important to know that Mr. Rogers had very specific and intentional self-care habits. He would get up every morning at the same time, he would swim, he journaled, he wrote letters to his friends and encouraging people, he spent time with God, and he went home at four o'clock in the afternoon. He just was done, and he went home, he played the piano, he worked out his frustrations in appropriate ways, and I just so admire that because the more I study about how important it is to take care of your mental health, I look at Mr. Rogers and I think, there's an example of a person who would not have made the impact he did had he not taken care of himself. But he was able to help people more because he did. And I just, I wanna be like that. 
And then you can also say yes when you know God wants you to do something. You know, there are definitely times God's going to ask you to do something and you're going to think, yeah, I don't think I can do that. But the reality is God will provide for you, but you do have to um, trust that. And you know that if he does want you to do it and you know it, it's, you should say yes. Um, you need to establish boundaries. Identify your needs and wants. And then be clear and specific about your needs and wants. And you may need support from a professional counselor. If this is new to you, honestly, I had never, ever in my life heard about boundaries until I was an adult, which is kind of late. But there's still plenty of life left, so establish healthy boundaries. Um, and then I think one of the hard hardest ones is to tolerate the discomfort. It is an unrealistic expectation that people will be happy with you all the time. And that's discouraging, because I kind of wish I could make people be happy with me all the time. But um, it's important to accept that fact, and that, to accept that other people's feelings are not actually my responsibility, and learning how to manage my thoughts and feelings when others disapprove of my choices is a necessary life skill. So I'm wondering, if Martha was struggling with the problem of people-pleasing, does this change the way you hear Jesus' response to her? Was Martha running on empty? Was she looking for affirmation and belonging? Was she hoping that all her work would help people like her more? Did she ever take the time to think about how she actually felt and what she really needed? When out of desperation, Martha went to Jesus with a need to help to complete her likely unrealistic list, Jesus instead pointed to her real need of self-care in the form of time with him. I don't like that the story ends here. I wish I could have heard the rest of the conversation because I can imagine Jesus gently showed Martha how people-pleasing was leaving her angry and bitter, maybe lonely. And I think he taught her that she needed to take care of herself before she can take care of others. And I think Jesus told Martha that she mattered. She didn't need to earn it. And she needed to hear it, and she needed to believe it, and she needed to honor it. Because love is not serving empty, but rather serving full. Doing for others as you would have them do for you means you do for you too. If you are not someone who struggles with people-pleasing, I want to encourage you to recognize how hard it is for those of us that are, and to tell you no, to, sorry, to tell you no, and to share our wants and needs with you. It is so helpful when you ask us what we need, listen to us with curiosity and not judgment, validate our thoughts and feelings, even if you don't agree with them, and accept our no as a valid and responsible choice. It's not necessarily your fault, often not your fault, that we struggle to communicate our needs effectively with you, yet your compassion and support means the world to us. A person who thinks of themselves only ends up angry, bitter, and disconnected from others. It is interesting to me how the opposite is true. If you only do for others and you never take care of yourself, you will end up lonely, angry, bitter, and disconnected from others. I think it's important to see that balance. Jesus asks us to step outside of our comfort zones. He will stretch us past what we thought we could handle. He will ask us to do hard things. He will challenge us to do these things, not because they will destroy us, but because they are good for us. And when we are connecting with Jesus, he will equip us and show us how to follow him, not by pleasing people, but by truly loving them 
by also loving ourselves. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and burden, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.